0: Use promo code MADNESS50. That's MADNESS50
1: to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today.
0: Welcome back, folks. Mountain West Wire podcast officially week one of the college football season. We already have three games in the books, but we have a full slate this weekend. As always, you know who's here. I'm Jeremy Moss. Matt Kennerly out there in California. You ready? You finally ready for a full weekend of 12 games.
1: Let's do this.
0: It's a lot. It's, um, I'll watch more than 12. Well, we'll see, but I'm excited. There's a lot of good games this weekend. Well, maybe we'll pump the brakes on that, but half the slate is pretty good.
1: Well, even some of the FCS games have a little bit of intrigue. We'll get to all of them, rest assured, but, you know, there's something I think to look forward to for every fan base this weekend.
0: It's week one. You have to. for Well, yeah, every, people already played, but yes, this is the season is here. We don't have just a couple games throughout the weekend. We have Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Labor Day weekend, the long weekend of games. You got Monday night football, you got Alabama-Florida State for some non-conference action if you're not when you're not watching, say Nevada-Northwestern or we got Hawaii late night played Western yes. Carolina, Midnight Eastern on the app. You can view it on the mainland, folks.
1: Yes. Finally.
0: So before we get going, we have some breaking okay. news here. We're gonna discuss um, esports. esports. <laughs> Just real quick, Boise State has now joined a list of major universities to approve a varsity esports program. So, for those who don't know, which I don't really know, I know a little bit about it. Here's, the, do you want to guess? I bet you can name this offhand. Do you know the five games they're going to uh, offer I,
1: as part I of? I saw the e-sports? headline a, a few minutes ago. The window.
0: Or five games. The I ones say I remember sorry. off the top
1: of my head are League of Legends, which I know nothing about. Yes. Um, Rocket Same. League, which is easy to yeah. learn, difficult to master, and super fun. Um, <laughs> exactly.
0: That's a great way Overwatch, to describe it.
1: Which I am totally all about. And then I forget the other two. Hearthstone. Okay.
0: Or Hearthstone. Overrated, but that's sure. And heroes. Heroes, which of I know Storm. nothing about. I know Rocket League because I got it recently. I've, I'm have i attempting Overwatch. Still much a novice, so don't try to find me to play me online, but I'm getting there. But there you go. Why not? If you can get money to go to school to play video games, why not, right? And one thing I did know a fun, oh, not a fun tweet, but an interesting tweet. Some college, I think it's like Eastern Iowa, Basically, call them people a bunch of wussies because there's esports is now he he made it he doesn't know what he's talking about because he says they dropped wrestling for for esports var well technically you have that varsity code name with it it's not really a Title IX sport or a varsity sport as in adding like Boise State's probably probably going to add baseball it's not like that it's just a scholarship it is a sport but activity similar to I would assume if you're like on the choir or drama. Like you, you're part of the play team that perform or the group that performs plays, or you, or the marching band, or something like that. That's more tuned to what esports is compared to a,
1: yeah, ath- I mean, more athletic sport. I was a little bit lukewarm at first when it was starting to emerge, but I've kind of come around on it a little bit. Like when we were in Vegas last month for, um, for our USA Today conference, getting this set set up. You know, the the very next day was a three-day fighting tournament that's been around for well over a decade. And, you know, that's just one kind of arena. You have all these different kinds of games now, which, you know, is a sport in the sense that they require a different kind of skill set. It's, you know, I consider it a little more like chess or, you know, something that's a little more mentally driven or reaction driven than a lot of other games. So it's not a sport... In the traditional sense where it relies on a lot of physicality.
0: So like golf, you're telling me this is like golf.
1: It's better than golf. It's way better than golf. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go there.
0: Oh, like you said ac limited that like the activity part. I'm like, yeah. Golf's sort of a sport. You're outside. Yeah. <laughs> But it's interesting news. It's um so maybe we'll have a we'll have a esports beat eventually. Yeah, if, if
1: you know what, if you were a Boise State fan or if you were a Boise State person who happens to be a part of their esports team eventually, definitely contact us at MWC Wire on Twitter.
0: Definitely, Give us a shout out, man. We'll chat chat you up. And one thing that would note, which is pretty cool on this, it's more it's uh well, like it says here in the ESPN article, the NCAA does not have oversight um and however the like organizations are exploring how competitive gaming impacts ncaa which means because people who play video games like my little kid he he's still little to do this but he'll watch youtube he'll watch if people know who dan tdm is he watches all those videos all the time people playing games and people have twitch accounts you can get money you can do this is still in play if you're a esports uh at well what attendee what do you want to call it Gamer, I don't know. But you can still make money doing this. So it's more like if you're a – like what – who was it? Jeremy Bloom did for the Buffalo. So you got money for skiing on the Olympics but played college football for Colorado. You can still make money, which is uh, what you want to see, right? Exactly. Should we get to the football game, I guess, here? Football games, plural. All right. The first game of the weekend, we have Friday night matchups. You will need a particular uh, television package for both of these games. One's harder to find than the other. You will need Pac-12 Network for this first game. Rocky Mountain. Is it the Rocky Mountain Showdown or is it the Rocky Mountain Rivalry?
1: It's the Rocky Mountain Showdown. They got a hashtag and everything.
0: Okay, I'm making sure. Because I know the Red River Shootout had some changes in the mix. Oh, yeah. Because oh. of pew, 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 shootout. Come on, whatever. Okay, this game. This game is huge. Colorado State could be 2 and 0 by the time the first Saturdays even started for college football, the first full slates. This game is, of course, the odds aren't listed on the page I'm looking at. Thank you, ESPN. But this game is at, it's played at, um, what's Denver Stadium called now? Is it still Mile High? Invesco Isn't Field? It, Dick Sporting Field? I don't know. Do they know. still
1: call it Sports Authority Field, or do they change it because they went bankrupt or something? I forget.
0: <laughs> I. They're playing in Denver. They're playing at the home of the Broncos. So Let's yeah. just call it Mile High, because that's what everybody calls it forever. It's just like um, the pit. Nobody's going to call it Dream Style Home Arena, except for the one time you mentioned, Dream Style Home Arena. So this matchup is huge for Colorado State. And if you go last week, if you watched the Rams play, they played pretty good. There's a lot of things to like about them. There's a lot of things not to like about them. But before we get to the game, it is uh, 6 p.m. local time on Pac-12 Network, which means... Matt, you don't have the Pac-12 network on Hulu TV. I will have TV to figure
1: D. out some other way to get the game, yeah.
0: You want a great What's way that? to get the game?
1: Uh, Sling TV, uh, yeah. buddy.
0: Partly because they have a uh, free trial. Normally, they always have a 7-day free trial. But I guess now, through depending on how long you keep it, Pac-12 is usually the sports hmm. pack for 10 bucks a month. That's free as well. And if you guys want to help us out... Go to our show notes after the page. We don't have a fancy code because we're not fancy enough to do this. But if you check the podcast feed, if you want to, is what I'm going to do. I'm going to click on our link, get a free trial for Sling TV, keep it at least a week, maybe longer through the first month, just because we have a lot of Mountain West games on there. Sign up there. Help us out, if you would please. And you can watch this game and other Pac-12 Network games. So that's our shameless plug. But if you want to watch it, you got Sling TV. is a very good option. I'd recommend that. I hear DirecTV is getting closer, but don't count on it for Friday. But that's your option. Why? First off, why is this game on Pac-12 Network?
1: That is an excellent question.
0: I don't know because here's, it's was it first pick? I should look at their other schedule for the week. But if you think about the matchup itself, it's Friday night, which not many a few games are on Friday night. Colorado's coming off a Pac-12 championship game appearance. Rams preseason hype people should know that they're supposed to be at least a top 40 team at worst they ended the season great excluding that ice rink of an Idaho bowl game but they thought two years ago they rotate TV rights wasn't it Fox Sports 1 when they had Rams had that comeback and ended up being victorious a couple years ago
1: I have no clue
0: Cuz remember Gus Johnson was on the call but it just seems odd that it's uh, on stupid Pac-12 network not well Watch it if you can, but I'm I'm, start, I'm still stalling. Because I'm looking up the line for this game, which I'm still being unsuccessful. Well, I can tell at... you what it
1: is right now. It is
0: well, go for it. I'm terrible at this. You're making me search for it and talk. Come on.
1: <laughs> it is Colorado minus four and a half.
0: What do you think about that line? You do?
1: I mean, I think it sounds about right because when you when you kind of when you look at these two teams I think that there's a potential that they could be very similar when all is said and done in 2017 because obviously we saw last Saturday the kind of offense that the Rams can field like you know when they get going they're going to be very difficult to stop but on the flip side you know if you look at all the talent that Colorado the Buffaloes have coming back you know they you know, yes, they lose Sefo Liufao, which probably hurts, but they've got a guy coming back in Steven Montez, who, you know, started a handful of games last year anyway, and held his own and did, you know, pretty all right. And he's got like veteran receivers that he can throw to, guys who are very highly regarded, like Shea Fields, Bryce Bobo. You know, you have that kind of skill position talent around you and a stable quarterback situation. They probably have a few more questions on the defensive side of the ball, but I think that there's the potential for this game to be a real back-and-forth affair at first glance.
0: Yeah, because they lose nine defensive starters. I chatted with uh, the guys over at uh, Rivals, uh, the Colorado site over there, the uh, C.E. Sports Nation, the other day, a little q and it's on their site, so check it out, please, because they go into a lot of good detail. They, While well, they do lose nine starters, they are excited about who's coming back because while it's a lot of starters gone, a lot of these guys stepping in have experience from last year. Like they have guys like a Rick Gamboa and then like Derek McCartney linebackers who are the b- players on this team or best players, I should say. And here's what he mentioned. Like the biggest matchup is because we saw last week, we both mentioned this, the Rams secondary was getting beat over the top, but um, Luke fault Wasn't very accurate. Getting that deep ball for most of you the were time. Just talking,
1: uh, Jake Luton, right?
0: Oh, sorry. He who said did I say?
1: Luke Falk, who was very accurate, by the way.
0: Oh, sorry, wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's. We'll talk about that later. My mistake. Yeah, the Oregon State quarterback was overthrowing, so the Rams secondary decided to let not get beat over the top after about the first half, first quarter plus. Then allow all these six, seven, eight yard plays, which, as we alluded to, allowed the uh, Beavers to go what ten to sixteen on third down for part of it. These receivers are much better than what Oregon State's thrown out oh, there. Yeah. So that's gonna be a really, really big challenge, and I maybe it was first game jitters or something, or maybe they, Marty English figured something out in the second uh, week of practice, getting ready for full practice for this game. That's something on a, on a watch for. And also, he mentions um, going up against um, who is here, um, Isaiah Oliver versus Michael Gallup. That's gonna be a huge matchup as well. Yeah,
1: and I mean, you know, to kind of extend your original point, you know, not only do they have a lot of talent at wide receiver they've got a pretty good running back of their own as well in Philip Lindsay. And, you know, obviously he's a very different kind of runner than, you know, what we saw last week in Ryan Nall. You know, Nall's kind of a big bruiser. And, you know, Lindsay's listed, I think, at like 5'8 and 190. But that didn't stop him from running for almost 1,300 yards last year and scoring 16 touchdowns. So, you know, the Rams are going to have to figure out how to slow him down because for a while in that game last week, it looked like they might've been in a little bit of trouble, you know, not only beating beat over the top, but having trouble stopping Nall on the ground. And, you know, if they run into a similar kind of problem this week, you know, I expect that the offense will be able to better match points than Oregon state.
0: Sure. But also Null only had that one run 75 yard. After that, he was shut down completely. That's true. But you still don't want to give up the, the big run really quick on the TV front. Here's the other option that Pac-12 had: number eight Washington at Rutgers. So, that took the FS1 game. Apparently,
1: yeah, I can't blame them for taking this game.
0: But that'll be like seventy to zero again, whatever. Add what Michigan, Ohio State, whatever it did to Rutgers last mm-hmm. year, and that's that's a matchup. But this game, like, I want to see if Nick Stevens has it still because I did the quarterback rankings this week. I'm going to do it every week during the season, probably post it every Tuesday or so part of the reason I moved Nick Stevens number one over, he was third last week over Brett Ripon and Josh Allen was because, well, he had a game and he played pretty well. He had one interception. He took a huge hit, got up, played well after a sort of a shaky first quarter, but I want to see what he can do. Cause I don't, cause here's a big thing. Remember last year he was just awful and I want to see him come out just on fire. I guarantee, well, I won't guarantee, but I'm wondering what they'll want to do on offensively for the Rams because Well, we know how he went last year. What did he get, like 4 of 20 or something? Something terrible, like 31 yards last year. Just historically bad. Are they going to allow him just to start throwing the ball right away to get over that? Or are they going to use their amazing offensive line and push around the Buffalo's defensive front and bring in in Body, bring in Izzy Matthews, Dalen Dawkins, Marvin Kinsey to just wear down the Buffalo's front seven and then start passing? I'm curious to how they'll start this game because Stevens – there's got to be some thinking going on about how he doesn't want to repeat repeat last year one bit.
1: I mean, I think if it were me, I would try to do the same thing I did last week and lead with the run game because, you know, for as much talent as Colorado has coming back on the offensive side of the ball, you know, aside from Oliver, who's very good at cornerback, the only returners I believe they have in their starting lineup, or at least as far as the top of their depth chart, are the two guys at safety, you know, Afalabi, Laguda and Ryan Moler. You know, the front seven is full of new guys who are going to have to step in and contribute and try to figure out how to slow this running game down. And, you know, if they can be as effective as they were as a team last week, they don't need one guy to get 100 yards when they have four guys who can get, you know, 200 or, you know, 220 and make Stevens that much more dangerous on you know not so obvious passing situations.
0: I got some breaking news here. You want
1: to hear some breaking okay. news? I would love some breaking so, news.
0: So you know how it's it's not esports news, okay, folks? So don't worry about that again. Uh, you know how this rivalry, the Rocky Mountain Showdown, is in question for future series. Uh, I think in a couple years down the road, it potentially could stop.
1: I have noted that. Yes.
0: So Colorado State has sent a contract proposal for future Rocky Mountain Showdown games to CU. You know what the holdup is? Uh, I do not. Buffalo's have yet to sign it.
1: Oh, come on.
0: So the contracts in a CUs court, I'm wondering because they want to, I think part of it is the home game thing because, yeah, you're in the Pac-12, whatever. You, there's. I think they're the only, I'd have to look it up, but I think off the top of my head, this is the only like Power 5, non-Power 5 ri- annual rivalry game. I would be hard-pressed to find another one out there. Especially top of my head, and, and it's a neutral site, it's not a home and home and everything or anything. But here's what's set up right now CU CSU will play Friday night in Denver, obviously, meet again 2018 2019 in Denver. Um, and then they're gonna host there's something, did some deal with that. So Rams are hosting 2020, and then the potential for a return to the annual Rocky Mountain Showdown is slim. So it says both officials, um, confirmed long term deal between the schools, like the 10 year contract extension back in 09. It's unlike, however, it's unlikely due to changing philosophies and scheduling because Buffs want six home games. Which makes sense. Everybody wants six home games, but they don't want to do risk give up a home game for this one. On the years, that's the
1: possibility. That's lame.
0: And I remember a couple of years ago, there was a big beef, so they both played, so like, screw it, we're having it on campus. So there's a, two years in a row where I was at Fort Collins and then Boulder. Huh. So that's um a possibility i won't get into i maybe i'll put this in our daily hike or newsletter but that's just some little news and notes there that this game could be off the books in a couple years which is unfortunate and all all i gotta say to that is that buffalo's schedule properly and you can have as many home games as you'd like
1: there you go all
0: right so back to the game what is your expectation for the rams maybe getting a victory in this one
1: I mean the the spread is pretty close but I like their chances to more or less do what they did last week you know it was it was a little shaky at first but you know they were able to put it together in the second half and really kind of take it to Oregon State both on the ground and through the air you know and I don't think that Colorado has a guy you know who can cover Michael Gallup like Oregon State has a guy or didn't have a guy rather you know I think one thing to watch for is the fact that Ben Knox, who got hurt in the middle of last week's game, uh, last I heard was doubtful to be you know to play in this game. So while you would expect you know someone like Colby Meeks or Trey Moxley to kind of rotate into his spot or you know to move Goldage from left to right tackle and move Moxley to left or something like that, you know, if they have another injury, that could make them a little more susceptible, you know, that could slow down the offense a little more than Ram's fans would like. But, you know, assuming they stay healthy, I kind of expect them to assert their will at some point in this game. So while they'll probably give up a few points, I'm kind of thinking Colorado State can win this one pretty comfortably, like 40 to 28 or something like that. Whew.
0: You know, the the Rams have not played too well in the series of late. I think they have, what, two wins in like seven years, a couple close games. But I just think, like, the I know Oregon State's not great. Clearly, they're probably going to win four or five games this year. And with the Buffaloes, they lose a lot of defense. And last year was their first good year in a long time. So, like, well, can they sustain that? That's an issue I want to know as well. Because, like you said, if you look at who they lost, they lose nine defensive starters. And they have a pretty good running back, and kind of a new quarterback. Whereas the Rams, like, they have all that continuity. And they are. Bring everybody back, but one other question I want to ask you about this: I asked a guy from Rivals, and he thinks uh, it's sort of an advantage. I could see it cutting both ways. Rams played a game, so they have that game under the belt. But yet the Buffaloes were able to watch the Rams play, and the Rams weren't playing some FCS opponent where they could just be vanilla and just do their thing. What do you think? The more, what who is more advantageous, as in playing a game or being able to actually watch live game film that's meaningful?
1: I think that you know being able to actually play a game and escape relatively unscathed you know aside from Knox you know I think you know Dawkins and Izzy Matthews are both dinged up a little bit but you know both of them I believe are expected to play this Saturday or this Friday rather so you know while yeah. yeah you would get some benefit out of seeing what Colorado State can do on film you know I think if if I were if I had a chance to be either team I'd rather be the Rams and you know have shown people that yes this is what we can do on both sides of the ball
0: that makes sense and then uh mcintyre head coach for buff said had he known rams were moving that game they would have tried to get a week one or week zero point as well but can't just up and move the game rams are able to because they have the uh they play hawaii and then also they're being nice mm-hmm. to give them a bye week so you say so you say do you have this written down 41 28
1: 40 to 28 yeah
0: 40, that's a lot of points you think that can happen i think so I'm going to Rams victory as well. And I think it'll be, it's going to be a lot of points as well. Cause I think they'll have to Rams are going to have to outscore people until the defense gets going, but I'm going to go out on the limb and say, I guess we'll give a score. Cause it's kind of weird, not weird, but just what we do, I guess here, I'll say a little bit closer thirty-five, thirty-one.
1: 35, 31. All
0: right. And for those who are wondering, we're two and one in our picks,
1: you can take that to Vegas.
0: Exactly. I, I guess I should. Are you What's writing that? the scores down on these, or or should I write the scores? I am. You are? Do you have my score as well? I do. Okay, can you send it to me afterwards? Because I'm having trouble typing. I have my winners pick but not the thing yet. So. Yeah, it's all good. Look for that later. Well, also, our staff picks. If you're a Patreon subscriber, our staff picks are on there early. So check those out when we fill them in, in out throughout the week, because I have my picks up, and so do some others. Okay, let's uh, move on to the next matchup here. It's also Friday nights. Uh, Utah State taking on the Badgers of Wisconsin. Big Ten matchup. Oh, boy. This is going to be a tough one.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a top ten team that, you know, even though the Big Ten is kind of rough and tumble with, you know, Ohio State and Michigan at the top, the Badgers are always in the mix. And this year is really no exception. Very true. I ch-
0: chatted with uh, Jake Kukorowski the other day from Bucky's Fifth Quarter for one of our other little podcast, mini podcasts, I should say we do. Yeah, we went 35 minutes, so go listen to that if you want to get probably a little different perspective. But what he was talking about, they have four, a couple of note, things that stood out to me in our conversation. Four true freshmen on their depth charts, two deep. Their backup quarterback's a true freshman behind Austin Hornybrook, And so his big concern, like we're all confident Utah State's not going to unfortunately win, as he figures the Badgers will, but... If Hornibrook goes down, that could be a big issue for this team because they have a true freshman as a backup quarterback, and they also have a true freshman as, I guess, technically starting running back because they have three deep as the uh, tri-starters, so that's a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I I don't want to kind of get into the what-if-they-get-hurt game because, you know, I think Hornibrook's probably going to be a pretty decent quarterback. Like, And I I realize I'm talking about Wisconsin here, like they're not going to blow anybody away or anything like that. But if you watched the Cotton Bowl last year, you saw a guy who could play kind of within himself. And, you know, Wisconsin's never going to blow you away on, you know, through the air. But I think with the talent that he has in front of him, and especially behind him in the backfield, you know, Shaw Shaw's probably going to be a pretty good running back this year for the Badgers. And so I kind of expect Utah State, you know, they're going to have, I think, a pretty solid defense but I just kind of expect them to get worn down at some point in this game because, you know, you're talking about a team with a lot of talent and a lot of size, especially on offense.
0: That's definitely the case. I, I, we didn't mention injuries. We were just mentioning something. I know you don't want to talk about it, but he's just having Ford. On a team that people were saying could be a playoff team, having four true freshmen on the two deep is a pretty big deal. And so that's what our kind of our conversation went around. Not saying, oh, if he gets hurt, but – I guess they are good enough if they're on. There. They're on there for a reason. If they're that good for true freshmen, they do have some injuries at the linebacker position, which are a pretty big deal. They have Zach Vaughn out for the year, and then also a couple weeks ago, um, oh shoot, was it? Sinchi, yeah, 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 Jack Sinchi. Yeah, Jack Sinchi. Sinchi, sorry, he is Sinchi. Would be like possibly one of the best uh, linebackers in the Big Ten. Gone for the year. They'll have a the guy come up back, come up from behind him and play well, but two starters are gone. That may lead to some room where Utah State might be able to do something a little bit more on offensively. Particularly, let's just get to it now, the offense. David Yost, the ultimate bro dude back there, being the OC, they're going to go three wide, four wide. They want to run 80 plays a game. Kent Meyer's arm is going to fall off after this game. They want to throw the ball a lot. And I think that could be a surprise effect they have against Wisconsin. But not enough to get to victory, but they might see some big plays to like Zach Van Leeuwen or Rontaven Carver, Carver or Tarver, excuse me, and catch them off guard because they usually don't see this type of offense. But that's about the most I could expect from this Aggies team because, yeah, you have Lindsey, Tony Lindsey, and one Hunt running back. Offensive line loses 100 starts. That's a lot to ask for, for replacing a line that wasn't even that good last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the new offense is all well and good, but I think what's going to make or break any kind of upset chance is whether they can get those chunk yards. Because last year, they were a little bit below average across the Mountain West Conference. Like, they only had 33 plays of more than 20 yards, which was, you know, tied for eighth in the conference, as far as through the air, rather. And I think if you want to be a pass first team first, you have to do a little bit better as far as getting those big plays. And, you know, at least, you know, in looking, in reading through what they were able to do in fall camp and the scrimmages and stuff like that, I think that's still kind of the biggest question. Because, yeah, you know, Myers was able to complete a lot of passes, but they weren't for a lot of yards. And so if there's a change that I'm looking for between your, their last scrimmage and this game, that's going to be it.
0: Yeah, because I remember reading reports from spring practice where they are just chucking it downfield. But there's there's still going to be a team that Utah State historically, like if you go back to guys like Curran Williams, running back, uh, a few other guys who are in the NFL. Who else is the running back? Um, Shoot. Yeah, Robert Turbin. Sorry, I'm thinking Bobby Wagner, the linebacker. No, like Robert Turbin with Seattle doing things where they're going to run the ball. They're going to want to run the ball as well. It's not going to be – what Mike Leach does or teams going four or five wide. Think of it more of what Oregon does because he was at Oregon before where like LeMichael James back there and, and uh, Marcus Mariota a little bit where, yeah, they're going to pass slot, but they're going to do a lot of running as well. and want to push teams around. So it's not just going to be four or five wide. They're going to side, maybe be two backs and three wide receivers, but only five linemen. They're going to want to run the ball, but they got to do something because their offense was just 21 points a game last year. Very stagnant, not very good. Obviously, it doesn't help Devontae Mays went out last year, but, man, they got to do something to make it exciting and make plays. And if they can go downfield, they'll open up the running game. It's just – I think they're going to have to get the passing game going, then get the running game moving for this game because I don't see how they're going to really push around this Wisconsin defensive front.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, to that end, if you look at the size of the dudes that Wisconsin has in their 3-4 – you know, it's not listed right off the depth chart, but I can just kind of tell you, you know, they've got a guy right in the middle at nose tackle, Olive Sagapolo, who's, you know, six foot two and 348 pounds. Ooh. And the guys who are slated to flank him at defensive end, you know, I believe, uh, Alec James and Connor Sheehy here, 270 and 290. So you're talking about ends who are as big as the offensive linemen who are blocking so I mean, so, you know, even though they're losing, you know, stars in the linebacker crew, I fully expect them to have a pretty difficult time running the football against this front seven. You know, even though, you know, Ryan Connolly, who was a former walk-on, is going to be replacing a guy like Sitchi. You know, he's probably still going to get like 10 tackles or something like that in this game.
0: Yeah, you? probably. And like four TFLs. Yeah, of course. And I mean, so...
1: Wisconsin wasn't great at forcing turnovers last year. So if Myers can take care of the football, I think that that gives them a chance to pull an upset. But I feel like that's kind of remote, all things considered.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Oh, we got the final injury report really quick. Hold on, from this. Um, here's what they have officially for Wisconsin: out running back Taiwan Dell, wide receiver Kendrick Pryor. George, rushing wide receiver, fullback, Jake Whalen. And then the same guys we mentioned out for the year, Jackson C, Zach Bond, and another linebacker, Mason Stoke. He, or Stoke. So there's your injury report for the Badgers this weekend. So this line on the game, because we need to wrap this up. We don't need this podcast to be two hours long here. <laughs> Did you see what the opening line was in this game?
1: I didn't. I don't remember what the opening line was, but I know what it has moved to.
0: It opened up as thirty-seven in favor of
1: Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a lot.
0: It's currently twenty-seven and a half. Still a lot. What's even more int- intriguing is that it opened up as the opening, lo- like the uh, point spread—not point spread, but the over/under, forty-nine—and now it's a fifty-two. Yeesh. They—they're thinking like a crushing for Wisconsin here.
1: I mean, honestly, that's kind of what I see in this game. I feel like it's a bad matchup for the Aggies.
0: Of course. So what's your prediction? Because I, I have Wisconsin winning. I, like, if Utah State's going to win, they're going to need short fields, down Levitt, um, make it pick six, or Jalen Davis do something in the secondary to stop any sort of uh, badger offensive momentum. Short fields, easy points, and this offense just clicks day one. And... They're going – they're just slinging across the field. But I don't see it happening. But I think like, maybe like a – I told him, talking to Jake, if it's a 21-point loss, I'm fine with that. And I'm probably going to go like 42-21 for Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, I would take Wisconsin in this game. I have it about
0: 42-10. All right, now let's move on to Saturday's game. We have to wake up early Saturday. This game is getting a lot of pub because it's Wyoming at Iowa, Big Ten Network. That's uh, – Twelve Easter, nine a.m. Pacific, so six Hawaii. So get your breakfast food ready for this one. I always favored by eleven and a half points. I'm not sure what to make of this matchup because I'm not extremely high in Wyoming at See, the moment. I wasn't either,
1: but as as weeks have gone by and I've had time to think about my my predictions for the season, which you know, for anybody who's wondering, no, I haven't changed them at all because I don't do that. I'm starting to wonder whether I'm underrating Wyoming a little bit again. I don't know if I'm underrating them as much as I did last year. But, I mean, they're going up against an Iowa team that doesn't really inspire any kind of fear. You know what I mean? Like, they have to replace their quarterback, C.J. Beathard. And they've got a sophomore coming in in Nathan Stanley, who's, you know, from my understanding, pretty good... But you know they also have to replace their top playmaker last year in George Kittle with another sophomore Noah Fant, and I'm just not seeing you know where this Iowa team is going to score a lot of points against the defense that I'm starting to uh, that you know if I'm underestimating anything I feel like I was underestimating them in the off season because I feel like this Wyoming defense is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Hey, we're on the same page
0: as doing a uh, Q and A's and stuff for some Iowa folks earlier today. And I'm While well, I know Wyoming's defense wasn't great last year. A lot of yards give it up on the ground. A lot of points. They bring, they were young. Like two years ago, they were very young last year. They were still young. They had Logan Wilson freshman of the year last year for the conference. Andrew Windgard, defensive preseason player of the year. Carl Granderson's back there. They can make plays. They, yes. They gave up too many points. 69 to UNLV. Um what thirty something to San Diego State one of the times, not very good. A lot of points in New Mexico and that fit, was at fifty something points in New Mexico. So I think they'll get that better, but I, I said I honestly think this I think the defense will be better than the offense than for Wyoming this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, if the defense is gonna have to focus on one thing in this game, you know, I'm not expecting Iowa to blow anybody with the, blow anybody away with the passing game but they're going to get a challenge from this running game because the guy, you know, their lead runner coming back, Akram Wadley had over 1000 yards last year and he averaged over 6 yards a carry. And, you know, the guy behind him, Torn Young, he's yeah, he's only a freshman, but he's very highly regarded. and He's kind of a big bruising guy at 5'11" and 220. You're forgetting somebody. James Butler.
0: I, okay, making sure. I know that happened a while back, but they got Butler, 1000-yard rusher last year from
1: Nevada. Yeah. Interestingly, though, he's not listed on the too deep.
0: I thought he was. I thought I looked at it earlier today. Uh, unless I'm looking
1: at the wrong kind of depth chart. If I am, then disregard.
0: I would say this on CollegePressBox.com, which I use, password protected, so you can't just go there. And the Mountain West section, the depth charts were not accurate on certain teams. I was doing research earlier today, so there's a potential you're looking at the wrong one, or that they have listed it incorrectly.
1: Anyway, you know. Okay, so so. He- so even with Butler, they're going to get a challenge from a from a running game that's probably going to be pretty stacked.
0: And the Wyoming rushing attack is weird because, do you recall, I looked this earlier so I know it. I want you to guess. Do you know what the average yards per rushing play given up when Wyoming took on New Mexico? Do you know what that number is at all?
1: Oh, last year I know it was a lot.
0: 12 yards per rushing attempt. That's a lot. However... Yes, it's a lot. That's ridiculously a lot, 12.35. However, when they played Air Force, they only gave up 3.8 yards per rushing attempt. It was all over the board. Like, they held San Diego State to respectable 4.5 the second time. But then when they played BYU, had Jamal Williams 6 yards per play. But then 2 yards or 3 yards, like Colorado State only gave up or only gained 3 yards per play, 3.3. So there's potential to see what this rushing defense can do because they have stopped good attacks. But I would compare this attack to San Diego State with the depth and strength they have for Iowa. And looking around what Iowa wants to to do, they're looking at certain things where they want to put in maybe two, at least two, maybe even three running backs on the field at one time. Interesting. We know Kirk Ferentz isn't the most unique offensive guy, even though he did try to bring the jet sweep a couple years ago. But this offense isn't going to be anything fancy
1: for Iowa. Yes, that would be correct.
0: And do you think this 11.5 point spreads too much for uh,
1: Iowa? I mean, I think it's probably just right. Because on the flip side, you know, I think the biggest question for Wyoming coming into this game is that we know they want to be balanced. They don't want to put everything on Josh Allen's shoulders, but this Iowa front seven is stacked, especially at linebacker, where they've got multi-year starters at, I believe, all three positions, and you know, and a guy in the middle, and some, you know, Josie Jewell, who's probably going to be all over the field. So... You know, my biggest question is, you know, they don't have a Brian Hill this year, but they do have three guys, I think, who in limited action have shown a lot of promise. But they're going to need, you know, Milo Hall, Nico Evans, and Kellen Overstreet to contribute, probably in the same kind of way that we saw Colorado State run their committee last week. You're not going to see a guy getting 20 carries per game this year, I don't think. But you're going to need to find, you know, someone who can maybe give you a hot hand for a time or... At a minimum, help you average right around five yards carry if you want to beat this defense. I'm
0: just, I'm skeptical because they, the like you said, they played well in what they played in those guys and the carries, but it wasn't very much. As looking through, yes, they C.J. Johnson, he was their fourth leading receiver last year. They lose Tanner Gentry, who's on the verge of making the Bears. They lose Molhard, um, their tight end. They've lost a lot of guys. I don't know who Josh Allen's going to throw the ball to. Yeah, all the hype in the world, big arm huge everything, NFL draft, number one pick, potentially first rounder next year. I just don't know who's, who's going to get the ball to. And then secondly, with all these newer receivers, is there going to be a repeat of fourth quarter Nebraska last year where Wyoming was down seven points going into the final frame, he coughs up the ball three to four times, fumbles, tries to do too much, and Nebraska ended up winning like by what, 52 to 21, I think, something just a ridiculously ridiculous blowout. Is that Josh Allen going to appear again like he did not just Nebraska versus BYU versus San Diego State, Eastern Michigan, trying to make plays but can't get it done?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely worth looking out for. And I think if I'm a Wyoming fan, or even just as as an observer, I want Austin Conway to have a big game because now he's the guy that's listed atop the depth chart opposite C.J. Johnson. And I think we both have a pretty good feeling about C.J. Johnson, but, you know, Conway is still kind of a relative mystery who's had a few moments last year, but this is going to be a big role for him to be able to step up into the starting lineup and contribute. So, you know, if he can be the guy catching 40 yard bombs from Allen down the field, that would be a huge asset for this team. You know, they don't have a big guy this year like Jake Malhart in their, you know, in their two deep at least listed so, you know if they can get a burner down the field just the same you know that can make a huge difference
0: all right so i i think we i think we're both leaning that this will not be a a 12 point no. iowa victory who are you taking in this game
1: i've said all along that i like wyoming so i have wyoming winning a pretty close one i think it'll probably be a little bit lower scoring than a lot of people expect I have it right around twenty eight twenty four.
0: You do know, the last time Craig Bull was in uh, Iowa City, you know what happened? He won. North Dakota State, Bison beat the Hawkeyes.
1: What about you? What do you get?
0: I'm conflicted because I like the defense to be better, but then looking deeper, they weren't really all that great last year. I just don't trust his offense one, one bit. I'm gonna. I picked Iowa to win this game. It'll be very close. I just want. I need to be a believer of, of Wyoming because their offense lost everybody. Again, Chase Rouzier is going to be a starting center for the Redskins. He's gone. Brian Hill is going to have significant time with the Falcons. He's gone. Like I said before, Gentry's in the NFL going to be an undrafted guy to make the Bears roster. Those are possibly the three most important positions outside of quarterback, center, running back, wide receiver. It'll be close. I just. I'm not, Josh Allen's got to do it all if he's going to win this game, not because of how great Iowa, Iowa is, but just because who do they have an offense? I don't know who to trust. And so I'm, pick, I'm going 24-21 Iowa to win, but I'm not going to be oh overly shocked or surprised if Wyoming does get the upset. I just don't think they'll get it done. I've, I've been conflicted about this game all season, all offseason.
1: Well, I guess we'll find out. And so
0: that's uh, my pick. I picked Wyoming to unfortunately lose. Sorry, guys. All right, ready for the next game here really quick yeah, let's do it we got some fcs fcs games coming up all right do you have do you have the tv info on this because i unfortunately don't for some of these games for some reason I if don't you miss. want to
1: introduce it i can find the one of the many tabs that i have about this game
0: thank you i have so many tabs as well it's a uh, air force account oh this one is espn3 good to know that's a simple one it's showing up here on my list that's nice to know and we're gonna blow through these games really quick because we're already at 40 minutes, almost 35 minutes. Jeez, and we're at game number four. We gotta we gotta get it out of preseason form, Matt. But VMI Air Force ESPN three 12 p.m. at the Academy. All I want to see in this game is um, how Aaron Worthman does in his. Uh, at, we know he's the guy. He's the quarterback. He's been fine last year, but I just want to see what he does, what Tim McVay does, and what this defense does that lost 10 starters from last year. They should win, but I want to see good stuff. Don't let VMI get any big plays. Don't let them run down the field or pass down the field. I want to see this defense have a good performance against an inferior team. The key debts. not the cadets, you have the key debts. Yeah, I say. mean, I
1: think it's, I'm right around the same, you know, kind of feeling as you. You know, I think to me the biggest thing I want to see is, you know, if the defense, even though they're replacing so many starters, you know, they do have a solid guy in the middle in Grant Ross. And, you know, a system in place that makes this kind of drastic transition work. So, you know, if they can hold VMI to, you know, 10, 13 points, I think as an Air Force fan, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And on offense, you know, who are they going to, you know, how are the fullbacks going to do? Because we know Tim McBay is going to get his yardage and probably a couple touchdowns. We know Arian Worthman's is going to get his yardage. But, you know, beyond those two, they're going to need to figure out who is going to step up.
0: Exactly. So Air Force is going to win, and let's move on to the next game. And I'm going to attempt to splice these up, but I just realized we should have done the FCS games in order. Let's so start. let's actually make an audible, Matt. Let's do all the F- FCS versus FBS games because we're going to split these up into individual previews. But we're gonna keep the FCS games as one because that was like a ninety-second breakdown. So let's move all the way down to a Cal Poly San Jose State. Is this game on the Mountain West Network?
1: I believe it is.
0: <laughs> I hope it is. I have
1: so many tabs open. Let me tell you in a moment.
0: We ha- so this we already seen um, San Jose State in one game one game this year, and we had our um, Spartans reporter Anna at the uh, game and at the press conference. Josh Love is getting the start, but expect to have uh, more than one quarterback playing this game. And In and my quarterback rankings, I had Josh Love last, probably because if you're not the starting quarterback for the whole game, you're not going to be higher than number 12 on my list because if you're splitting time, and he did split time with Montel, Arian, or Montel Aaron, who did not too bad, you're going to be at the bottom. So I expect both to play again because they're playing an FCS team. And Kyle Pauly is usually decent, but... Spartans uh, need a victory, and this is one of the few I have for them on the air.
1: Yeah, and to answer your question, first and foremost, there's no TV for this game. So if you want to watch it, you're gonna to have to go to the stadium. Hopefully, it won't be so hot.
0: Nothing time. at all. But Wait, not, where did you look? Did you go to the no, game notes of this one?
1: And no, not like even on no the Mountain West Network. And I mean, if, if, if I'm a Spartans fan, this is embarrassing. I'm, I'm fairly certain that Cal Poly still runs the triple option. So, if I'm a, if I'm a Spartans fan, what I want to do is I want to see this front seven step up, and kind of do you know what they were able to do for a little while against South Florida last week, where yeah they were able to bust out a couple of big runs later in the game, you know, and when when the results started slipping away from them a little bit. But, you know, we know they have talent in this front seven. You know, we, you know they have Frank Ginda in the middle and Ethan Aguayo, who I believe had double-digit tackles last week, and William Asai next to him. So I want to see these linebackers make plays. That, I think, to me, is what I want to see on defense. On offense, if Josh Love is getting the start, I want to see him be a little more consistent because if he's going to hold on to the job, he's going to need to do better than 50% completions. You know, if he can't, I wouldn't be surprised yes. if Aaron made another appearance at some point in the game. You know, if they get off to a slow start, you know, this could be a question that lingers for weeks.
0: Okay, I got two t- tidbits on this game here. So, San Jose State head coach Brett Brennan and defensive coach uh, Joe Simula, 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 both were members of the Cal Poly coaching staff between 0-1 and '04. 04. 4 Great mm-hmm. West Conference champs, by the way. And this is the first time – do you want to take – let's take a stab at this. Spartans are opening at home for the first two weeks of the year. When is the last time they've done that?
1: Oh, I can't even imagine. It's probably been a while.
0: 1981.
1: That is a while.
0: That is oh, – that's a long time. So um, Spartans victory, correct? Yes. All right, next game, Abilene Christian versus the Mexico Lobos. It's a 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Are we going to? Can we do a
1: trademark um, throw bows, or is it still patent? Um, I haven't officially filed for a trademark yet, so anybody is free to use it.
0: So, what do you think's going to happen in this matchup? That's what. That's what I want to see. I want to see them throw the ball.
1: That's the thing, right? Like, if they say they're going to do it, and they've been illustrating such in practice, I kind of want to see them do it because we know that their running game is probably going to be top notch. Um, and, you know, again, we should probably mention, too, there's no TV for this game as well.
0: I just saw it's going to give a big sigh. Oh, jeez, this
1: is embarrassing. But, uh, you know, we know that, you know, Tyrone Owens and, you know, everybody else in that backfield, Daryl Chestnut, Richard Orley, you know, even the new guys, I would be interested in seeing how, you know, someone new like Romel Jordan, who missed all of last year, But it's very clearly a talent how he steps into this offense and produces. But you know, if they have big play threats like Q Drennan and, and Delane Hart Johnson and Patrick Reed, I kinda wanna see Lamar Jordan find those guys deep, take a few shots down the field. You know, if this game is, you know, fairly much in hand, because I kind of expect it to be. You know, the defense, obviously, yeah, they have a lot of questions. They may give up a lot of yards. I'm still not expecting them to give up a lot of points. I expect New Mexico to win this game kind of, you know, handily.
0: Me too. And plus one note, Lamar Jordan's the guy at quarterback. You no, know, Austin Apodeca. No throwing quarterback to come in, as we mentioned throughout the off season. So when it's third and 12, yeah, you probably know it's going to throw, but he has that running ability to take off if need be. But I'm wondering if that will give him confidence in knowing he's, not, he's never coming out of the game. And I want to see how well he can throw. All right, next uh, matchup is uh, UC Davis, San Diego State. Uh, don't catch the chicken pox, folks, I guess. I don't know. Is that what we learned from Aztec camp? That was a big storyline.
1: Well, did we also mention that Chris Laviano left the team to go play lacrosse?
0: Yeah, he um, he did not beat out Ryan Agnew to be the backup quarterback, the Rutgers transfer. He's uh, going to, uh, I guess, play lacrosse to finish. He's already graduated, and I what, this is a weird question, Kate. He's already graduated from Rutgers. He mm-hmm. came to San Diego State. Great school to be at. Awesome. Unless he's actually... I, I, hopefully this is the case, because some people, they grad transfer just to play. They're not necessarily going to really get that graduate degree when they transfer for their final year of eligibility. I'm hoping that he's actually going to another school, because he mentioned D2 schools to play lacrosse to get a scholarship. At this point, if he's not getting a master's degree or beyond the, in the next year or so why even stay in school you know what i mean i hope he's I, like that's a legit question in my opinion unless he's getting a scholarship fine but what's the point of going to another school unless you're really going to get that de- extra degree
1: does uh does major league lacrosse have like a one and done deal like the nba or whatever <laughs> i don't know but you get my point like he's already graduated mm-hmm. If he's not going
0: to be on the team, unless he really want, I guess he really likes to cross. And if he can go to school for free, why not? But he's already graduated. Just go get a job. I don't know. I guess he doesn't want a job yet, which is fine. It's just an interesting. So, thought what I do you have.
1: expect to see out of the Aztecs in this game?
0: I know I'll be able to watch it on Facebook Live at six thirty p.m. Mountain Time. Very nice. <laughs> the one TV streaming game we have. Part of the uh, well, one of the few stadium map. I want to see. Um, Donald Pumphrey or not, oh jeez, the absence of Donald Pumphrey meaning Richard Penny is going to run the ball. I want to see uh if this Juan Washington, how well he'll be running the ball. I want to see this offensive line specifically, who lost four starters from last year's team. And I want to see um is there a wide receiver gonna show up because Christian Chapman says he's gonna have a breakout year. Is it him and Michael Holder going deep every play? I wanna see I want to see those things a passing game. And a good offensive line, which should be fine in this situation plan. And if you're, and if well, you here's the, the thing,
1: right? Have you looked at their depth chart lately, San Diego State? Yeah. What about it? Michael Holder is not a starter.
0: What? I missed
1: that. I did not yeah, look at the... they have a, a redshirt freshman, six foot four, two hundred and five, Tim Wilson, and another redshirt freshman in six foot five, Isaiah Macklin, listed as their starters against UC Davis. So I'm really fascinated by that. I don't want to.
0: See... Is that a UC Davis thing or is that really the redshirt freshmen or better?
1: No, they're listed atop the Aztec depth chart. Hmm. So, you know, while I think there are some questions about, you know, they're replacing four guys on the offensive line, that probably won't be that much of an issue in this game. But, you know, if they're going to prove they have a passing game, it's going to be really interesting to watch because if they're going to be led by redshirt freshmen on that side of the ball, you know, that I think is a very drastic change because those are two big targets for him down the field. And when you add David Wells to that, that suddenly makes this Aztec offense really intriguing. And then, you know, on the flip side, on the defensive side of the ball, we know most of the personnel that's going to be there. Like we know... Raleigh laka is going to get his. We know Ron Smith is going to be one of the better cornerbacks in the conference. Same thing with Cameron Kelly. But they have a true freshman back there in that secondary now. And Tariq Thompson, who is listed atop the depth chart there. So, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, in one of those safety positions alongside Parker Baldwin and Trey Lomax. I'm going to be interested to see how he plays, if he can hold on to that spot or, you know, how much they decide to, you know, rotate him with Trenton Thompson, who's listed behind him on the depth chart.
0: Well, then I just, sure. You make good points and I'll say I take victory and let's see what all happens. Right. <laughs> there's not much. You, I think you covered it all. So there's not much more for me to go back in and go on top of that as well. I'm just, I am very intrigued. I did not look closely because when I looked earlier at the depth chart, that was one of the ones that was not labeled properly on, on the website I use. So I didn't really get a good look, but Howard at UNLV, um, You know what's funny? I was going to mention it now. We're going to mention Cam Newton one more time. There has been three instances in the past month where Cam Newton, who has not played college football in years, been referenced. You have the uh, Athlon piece, star, Monty Rogers, um, former BYU quarterback, Taysom Hill. And then did you see the NFL.com piece the other day or today about Josh Allen?
1: I did see that.
0: You know who George Whitfield is, right?
1: Uh, He's the famous quarterback coach, right?
0: Yes, comparing Josh Allen to Cam Newton. Everybody can't be Cam Newton. What's the deal here?
1: <laughs>
0: How is everybody being compared to Cam
1: Newton? Sooner or later, you and I are going to be compared to Cam Newton.
0: I'll, I'll rue the day when that happens. I, I welcome it with open arms. It's our, it'll,
1: it'll be because of our charisma.
0: Exactly. Or we thank the troops after winning the Heisman Trophy.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the big question in this game is, or the biggest thing to watch is Armani Rodgers' debut, right? Correct. So, like, what do we want to see out of this offense? Like, do we want them to see that, yes, they can still have a very dangerous running game? Or do we want to see them try and be more balanced than they have been in the past? Like, how much do you want to see Armani Rodgers take chances in this game?
0: He'll have the opportunity to, because you're playing an FCS team, he can be risky a little bit, say, not necessarily like dumb passes, but go downfield for a 40-yard gain on first and 10 or something like that. But one thing to note, Kendall Keys is the wide receiver game-time decision with a knee injury he missed all of last year. So he may not play, which not that it will affect this game, but Kendall Keys, Devontae Boyd. I want to see Rodgers be a competent quarterback because the hype is unreal. Here's the thing. Yes, he's a three-star quarterback formerly from high school. People are making I know it's a big deal for UNLV UNLV, but his prior college choice was to Cal. Cal's yes, people say Jared Goff, great, awesome. Cal's not like some superpower quarterback factory of a university. It's not like Armani Rogers came from Alabama or USC or Texas or Oklahoma to come to UNLV. He came from Cal. So slow the hype on him. Maybe he's great. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I'm going to temper expectations because people are like, oh, he's a former P5 commit to Cal. Man, Cal's middle of the pack in the pac 12. Come on. I want to see him just be competent. And I just want to see what he can do. I just want to see what he can play, how he can play, what he will do.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, I think there's a couple things besides that to watch. You know, one thing to mention is, you know, apparently Howard had the, you know, MEAC preseason offensive player of the year. So they have an int- they have a pretty solid running back in Anthony Filia, who last year ran for over 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. And we know that they're replacing a lot of talent on defense this year. And so, you know, if Howard's going to have a chance to stay in this game, you know, to make it interesting longer... They're probably going to lean on him to do it. So I want to see UNLV be able to kind of shut him down, try to make the Bison one dimensional. And by the way, speaking of Cam Newton, did you know?
0: Oh, what's that? Did
1: you know Howard's quarterback is Cam Newton's younger brother?
0: Yes! Kaylin oh, yes!
1: Kalen Newton is their starting quarterback. <laughs> you can't make this up. Kalen Newton. I, can't, I am not joking, you.
0: Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at the rebelist notes, not the Howards. But bravo, so, bravo! This hat, this is
1: great. So we'll see. We'll see who the true Newton on the field is on Saturday. I, you know, obviously, I expect UNLV to run away with this one.
0: Yeah, this the uh, Kalen Newton is a uh, he's not the statu- statuesque uh, cam, 195.
1: There's a lot of delightful storylines for for a, a game that's probably gonna be a blowout. All so I'm going, to make an,
0: I'm going to make an old joke. Um, have you seen the movie uh, Twins? Mm-hmm. So I would say Kalen is the Danny DeVito of the relationship here.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Okay. I want, okay. <laughs> Hopefully people are going to chuckle lot of that. So if you haven't seen Twins, um, watch it, I guess. Sure. Yeah. You got Arnold and Danny DeVito. So there you go. I'm not going to explain the joke because nobody cares. So let's move on. So – oh also real quick this game is on the Mountain West Network so I can actually view um, future Cam Newton in progress very nice alright so what do we got next here we have um, Incarnate Word versus Fresno State 8pm mm-hmm. Mountain the retirement of Derek Carr's jersey that'll get people there right no TV,
1: no TV for this one either
0: dude it's going you told me it's hot I didn't realize it's 109 hot oh yeah so what's your choice man what do you do well this is a it's a pickle I go.
1: There's no choice. You're
0: a better, fan, better fan than I am.
1: <laughs> and and I go because, you know, yes, the retirement jersey is going on. But more so than that, if you've had a chance to take a look at the depth chart that they've released for this week, there's a lot of interesting things that could make this a really intriguing game to follow. You know, the first one is that, again, Chase and Virgil has been named the starting quarterback. But I kind of think the situation's a little bit different than it was last year because I think if Virgil gets off to a slow start in this game, Tedford's not going to hesitate to put in one of his guys. Like Jorge Reyno, I would expect, would be the next man up if Virgil struggles a little bit. But, you know, there are, you know, there are people who believe we'll also see Marcus McMarion, who transferred from Oregon State and has been with the offense for less than a month. And he might see the field on Saturday. But even beyond that, you know, they have a true freshman atop the running back depth chart in Ronnie Rivers, who was a three-star guy in this most recent recruiting class. That was a shock over Dontell James. So Dontell James actually had to take a medical retirement. Oh,
0: I, I apparently do not pay attention enough. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, Rivers is the guy atop the depth chart. But, you know, like a few other teams that we've talked about already, I'm kind of expecting it to be more of a committee. You're going to see a lot of Josh Hokett. You're going to see a little bit of Deontay O'Neill as a changeup back. But, you know, but even beyond that, you know, Darian Grimm is listed as a starter alongside Jameer Jordan. Jimmy Camacho has overtaken Cody Croning, who was probably last year's offensive MVP at place kicker. And, you know, they're replacing a lot of of guys on defense. They're replacing three guys in the secondary, especially. And they're replacing them with a sophomore in Jaron Bryant and a graduate transfer from UCLA in Johnny Johnson. There's a lot of questions out there. And it's going to be really interesting because, you know, Incarnate Ward is not a great team, but they do have a big play guy whose name escapes me at the moment. I wish I had my preview up in front of me.
0: Do you want to know what I thought your answer was going to be? Or at least my answer would have been about what's important to watch in this game in person. It's probably the only victory Fresno State's getting all year.
1: No, I don't believe that.
0: I'm just saying, it's like, okay, guaranteed victory. That's kind of my joke answer, but I get it. You want to see all the quarterbacks. um, You want to see Keyshawn Johnson, what he can do. You want to see if that offensive line's any better. And it'll be a good test if Chasing Virgil is really the quarterback, like you said. But Marcus and we'll see what he can do. But that was my joke answer. But you uh, helped out quite a bit more than my joke- jokeness here.
1: And last one.
0: Western Carolina at Hawaii, um, 10 p.m. Mountain, uh, six, um, 6 Hawaii, 12 Eastern, on the Mountain West app. I'm assuming. I want to say it's for sure because that's what they said. However, the current Mountain West app, I chatted with their communications uh, director. I believe that's her name. Or assistant communication commissioner, I think it is. The app has not been updated yet because it's going to be through Sidearm. I tweeted her earlier today on Wednesday, no response, but they said it's supposed to come as an update on the Mountain West app. So I guess download the app and hope for an update and you can watch the game. Okay. All right. So they're playing Western Carolina. That's a long trip for them too, man.
1: Going back home. You know what? They're going back home after a win, which I'm sure is a lot better than going back home after a potential loss.
0: Yeah. With that fail Mary that you tried to do. Jeez. What was that? <laughs> That was the worst. Uh, so what do I see in this game? They're 1-0. They'll start 2-0, get some one game closer to a bowl matchup. FCS opponent coming 5,000 miles just about to the island. Hawaii's breaking out the matte Helmets. That's always nice to see. I would like the rainbow uniforms, but Matt Helmets is what we get for week two or week one. But what do you want to see different? Do you want to see a different receiver step up, a better defensive effort? Is it really the John or Sura show and for this a Hawaii offense?
1: I mean, I think one thing I definitely want to see is I want to see them clean up kind of the dumb penalties that they had in the first half of that game. Because, you know, if things had gone a little bit differently, that game could have gotten away from them. So if they can, you know, kind of keep their heads level and, you know, being at home, I think will help in that regard. That would definitely be a benefit for this team. But beyond that. You know, I want to see Diawasmi uh, Saint Jude get going a little bit because he was mostly held in check last week. And while it helps to know that you can throw the football, and I fully expect them to be able to do so against Western Carolina. You know, um, I think we expect Saint Jude to be a focal point of this offense, so I want to see him be able to get it going. On the opposite side, you know, Western Carolina and the Catamounts did have a 1,000-yard back of their own last year in Detrez Newsome, who averaged over 6.5 yards per carry, so he's pretty good. And they had a quarterback who completed about 60% of his passes, so they you know, they have a solid offense who could probably move the ball against this defense if they're not careful.
0: All right, then. But Hawaii should still win pretty easily, Correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, Western Carolina is going to be a solid FCS team this year, but Hawaii should be able to win this one pretty easily. All
0: right, let's get to uh, back to the FBS games as we uh, continue to move along here. Nevada at Northwestern, uh, afternoon kick on Big Ten Network, uh, it's at two thirty central there, twelve thirty Pacific. Playing Northwestern, who apparently Northwestern really thinks they could challenge for a Big Ten title. Interesting. They have a pretty good running, they have a pretty good running back. They have a, a pretty good returning team. They think they could beat Wisconsin, too, from what I've read. They, they're they very excited that they're going to have a great year.
1: I mean, it wouldn't be a stretch. you know. And I think, like you said, it all kind of starts with that running game where they have a guy in Justin Jackson who's probably the best runner in the school's history. That's not really exactly. saying
0: much, but just kidding. I
1: mean, th- they've had some pretty explosive offenses in the past. Let's give them a little bit of credit.
0: They went to the Rose Bowl a while ago.
1: And I mean, you know, I feel like if they have that guy in the backfield who can be that productive, you know, this is the Nevada team that's transitioning to a new defense. And while we know that they have, you know, a couple of individual playmakers and you know, guys like Balik Reed, Asauni Rufus, are they gonna be able to stop the run? That to me is the biggest question in this game. Because if they can't, you know, Justin Jackson is the kind of guy who can run for two hundred yards against this defense
0: yeah our Nevada writer Brady Blake's doing some research saying he's possibly probably just behind Shaquan Barkley as the second best running back in the big 10
1: yeah so and just, just to good. add he was listed as a first team big 10 guy by Phil Steele so
0: there's that then this here's what I'm intrigued about their secondary um I guess it's a coin the sky team sure whatever i awesome um, they 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 have one of the best cornerback duos in the Big Ten. Guys like uh, Kylie Kiro, or yeah, sorry Kylie Kiro, and then um, who's the other guy there? Uh, like Montre Hartage. And they say if healthy, a uh, Keith Watkins, not junior, but Keith Watkins, the second. Interesting, to go there not to junior, but if Nevada's going to go three, four, five wide with the Matt Mummy offense, this will be an interesting matchup to see if if Nevada can actually do something moving the ball through the air with uh, also. Alabama transfer David Cornwell will have his first collegiate pass ever in this game, too. Assuming he nothing happened before that first snap or something.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's going to be a really big challenge because they have, I believe, all four of their starters back from last year. That's and, what it looks like. And as a team, you know, they were... I'm trying to look up what they were. You know, they had 16 interceptions as a team last year, and they were right in the middle of the pack as far as quarterback rating allowed. They gave up a lot of yards, but they were middle of the pack as far as yards per attempt. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out against an air raid offense. Which you know, if you look at the Big Ten, there really is no offense like that. Like I feel the biggest, the or rather the closest comparison is a team like Purdue that likes to spread it out and throw it a lot. But they're not going to see this kind of offense very often. It's going to be pass first, and you know they're going to be pass first. And when you have kind of an open running back situation like Nevada does, I believe uh, Jackson Kincaid is listed as the starter on the two-deep. You know, But him and Kelton Moore, they're both sophomores, they don't have a lot of game experience between them. And you have to be able to keep a defense honest somehow. So while Northwestern is going to be replacing a lot you know, in their linebacking core, they have a front four that has a lot of experience and is going to be pretty good this year. So there's you know, all things considered, there's probably gonna be a lot on Cornwall's shoulders to lead the Wolfpack to a win in this game. Hey Matt, do you wanna to go to this game? I would I mean if you're paying me, sure.
0: Almost. Almost. You can buy tickets for as little as two dollars apparently. Ooh. That's available. Looking at ESPN the ticket exchange or whatever it's called. Two dollar tickets. We may have one of our writers there on site for the game, so look for that type of stuff. Uh coverage video overall quality writing, so look look out for that. And they're in Evanston. But what would be Nevada's going to lose this game for sure. I'm confident in that. What would you say would be a moral victory for the Wolfpack?
1: I mean I think the big thing is the offense. Can you score points? Because you know, we saw in the first half of last year with Tyler Stewart that they just weren't getting it done, you know, with what they wanted to be able to do. And then when they switched to Ty Ganji, he gave them a little bit of a spark. They were able to score a few more points on average per week. It wasn't enough to save Brian Polian's job, and now they have a new quarterback and a new offensive system that wants to be passed first. So I think if you're going to make any kind of impact in this game, it's going to be, you know, can you get, let's say, 250, 275 yards? Can you take care of the football? You know, if you can have... Zero or one interceptions, I think I would call that a win.
0: I also want to see, in addition to the offense, the passing. But who's going to replace James Butler in that running game? Exactly. Because even if they had but even even if they had Butler, it wouldn't have made too much of a difference. But I think they might be able to score a few points just because, like you said, the uniqueness of the offense. They don't see this type of stuff in the Big Ten all that often. Even Urban Meyer now at Ohio State, he's still not really running the same stuff he did at Utah or Bowling Green. But I. Do you think they'll cover the twenty-four and a half points?
1: I think just barely, if I'm being honest.
0: I think it might be like a forty to seventeen game, something like that, which would put that in. Yeah, it'd be twenty-three points. So.
1: So you said forty to seventeen?
0: Yeah, I'll go that. If I, yeah, don't you don't need to keep track of FCS scores? That's okay.
1: Well, oh, that's mean, man. <laughs>
0: I mean, I mean, I didn't give you scores. I just said victory. That, that's what I meant. Like, it's it's too hard to predict.
1: I, I mean, I think Nevada will put up a few more points, but I feel like it's the kind of game where Northwestern is going to get an early lead and be able to keep the Wolfpack at arm's length. So I have it kind of like 40 to 28.
0: Okay. All right, one final game here. This could be the game of the day. Even maybe the weekend, maybe. You have on ESPNU Troy... Trojans from from the Fun Belts, taking on Boise State at home, and apparently fans do not want to go to this game. As of the, yesterday, I'm going to say about a ten thousand tick nine thousand tickets are still available. Do they not know Troy is a pretty good team? And second, Boise State fans have been clamoring for afternoon games. You get an opener on the after on an afternoon, it gets a pretty good opponent, and you're not going to sell at the stadium.
1: Gotta do better, and it's on ESPN.
0: Yeah. I get I get it's 90 degrees, but come on, man.
1: Here here's a random here's a random fact for you. Did you know that Troy is the only team in Division 1 that's going to play on three different colored turfs this year?
0: Let me guess. Boise State obviously, Coastal Carolina. Yes. Do they they don't go to Central Arkansas, do they?
1: No, they play on green fields everywhere else.
0: Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a third. So oh, jeez, that hey, that's a that's a pretty good fact. That's a good fact there. I was th- I was overthinking that one.
1: <laughs> but you know, here's the thing about Troy, which I think is you know going to be their biggest chance at an upset. We know Boise's got a lot of talent on defense, especially up front. You know, even if Jabril Frazier's not 100 percent healthy, you know, David Mo is going to be a factor in the middle of the defense. You know, they have young talent. You know, like Sonatani Louis. You know, Durant, Miles, who are going to be getting a chance, Chase Atata, who will be in the rotation in the front four, and some you know very promising talent in the middle, like a guy like Tyson Maeva Troy's bringing back nearly everybody and all of its offensive production from last year. I'm looking at these game notes that they have; they're bringing back 98.7 percent of their offensive production. Good, yeah. That is really good. I mean, and let's not forget this is the team that won 10 games last year. So you're not only talking about, you know, a dangerous offense, you're talking about a dangerous experienced offense. And you're going to have to start by stopping Brandon Silvers, who very quietly, probably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt at this point.
0: And beyond.
1: Yeah.
0: He, this is going to be a crazy game because we're just, so you guys know, we're going to chat, or at least I am on, for a later podcast, I guess Thursday, you'll hear it. Chat with our buddy, uh, Jeremy Harper, who's with us at CFN who has a great name, Sunbelt Heath? I love it. We're going to chat with him a bit, so we'll get way in-depth on this game till next time you hear this, so listen to that as well. But this is a game like, yeah, Boise is somehow an 11-point favorite, 11.5-point favorite. I don't understand because this is a very good team. you got Neil Brown who may be making his last stand there in Troy to move on to a better program. This is a game that Troy, bringing all that production back, with, I know Boise State's defense should be good with David Moe and Jabril Frazier, they still lose, lost a lot of talent from Oster's team in production. And so I'm expecting like 70 points to be scored in this game. Something crazy. Because Boise should be able to score, you think, with Brett Rippin throwing to Cedric Wilson and, and Rowe there, the tight end, Jake Rowe. But I think Troy's going to go toe-for-toe toe in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you are right, and I think a lot of it is going to come down to you know the, the matchups between the corners that Boise has. You know, you are talking about Tyler Horton, and at the moment, Reed Harrison, Ducros versus Troy's wide receivers. You know, Clark Quisenberry's big guy; it's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's going to be a handful for anybody. You know, Damian Willis, who's six foot four. He has you know, several injuries on both of those guys. You know, Sidney Davis coming back in the slot, who's probably going to be you know, a nuisance over the middle and stuff like that. You know, all of those guys were able to produce a lot last year. And I think that that's where most of this trouble is going to come from is they're going to have to find a way to slow those guys down because I think they're probably going to want to be passed first in this game.
0: I agree with that. This is a matchup where you go to Boise State's offense, really cool kind of bounce around. Let's go to the running game because everybody thought Alexander Madison would be the starter. Mm-hmm. He's been kind of banged up a little bit, but you got Wolpin, Ryan Wolpin there, who's listed as the number one starter. The OC loves him there in Boise, and Zach Hill, and, so, and the running backs coach as well. I'm curious how that will turn out because the past three or four running backs, it's like, that's a big question mark. Going back to Doug Martin, to JJ, all these guys coming in, Jeremy McNichols, each one took over a guy who went to the NFL and doing well in the NFL. Who's going to be, is that going to continue to be the case? You would think history, yeah, that'll be great. That should happen. But again, Jabrania running back. Madison played a good amount last year. That's why I want to see who's going to be the running back. Is it going to be just a two headed guy where they split 50 50? Is it going to be 70 30? I'm expecting more of a split. But if Madison's not completely healthy, 100% ready to go, that is a concern for me that they may not be able to get to victory.
1: I mean, I would be a little less concerned, if only because we know Brett Rippon is probably going to be pretty good. Like, Troy also has a lot of talent coming back on defense. But, you know, he's going to have a guy like Cedric Wilson who's going to be a deep threat. They're going to have to mind pretty much all game. And it's going to be interesting to see how much he matches up with a guy like Blaise Brown, who's got the talent to be an all Sun Belt cornerback. You know, if they choose to have him one-on-one most of the game, I think whoever wins that particular matchup is going to give their team a significant advantage in winning this game i think if wilson is held in check you know then you start thinking about okay you know is is jake rowe going to be as productive as he was in 2015 or is he going to be relatively quiet like he was last year and if it's the latter then you're starting to think about these young guys like aj Richardson and Achillion butler who have a lot of promise don't have a lot of game time production as of yet so what's your pick Oh, man. I mean, this was the toughest one, but at least as far as when I thought about it in the off season, I fully expect it to be a very competitive game, but I have Boise State coming away with a win in this one. So it's minus ten and a half. I think Troy's probably going to cover that. I think it'll probably be something like thirty four twenty seven.
0: Interesting. So we had one question. We had a couple questions, but one right now. Will this game crack 100 points combined?
1: No. What was
0: your final score, by the way? I was about to get to that. Okay. I think it's going to be uh, 42-35 Boise State. Okay. But this will be a game like people. People are going to tune into this game. Like what? People should know who Troy is. Everybody knows who Boise State is. This is a game where it's middle of the afternoon. Tune into this game. You're, if you somehow stumbled across this podcast like what are these guys talking about and you made it to the 70 minute mark of this game, of this uh, show, look into all the games like in the afternoon, tune into this game because it's going to be a sneaky good game because looking at the afternoon games at about the same time, yeah, you got Michigan-Florida going on that's a couple ranked teams, you have uh, Western Michigan USC it could be interesting tune into this game, it'll be very excited Alabama-Florida State, it's not until like late in the evening, don't worry about it folks, you can watch both this is my recommendation. If you're gonna watch one game, this is the game to watch.
1: I'd, I'd co-sign that. Yeah.
0: Excellent. So we got a couple questions. Let's get to as we wrap it up. We are, we're doing pretty good, but it's uh we're getting there. The show's got – right now we're at the seventy-four minute mark.
1: It's it's twelve games. I think I think we're doing all right.
0: Yeah, not too bad. Twelve games. So I got a couple questions that came through on the Twitter machine. If you always want to give us a question, just do hashtag MWPod. That's a very helpful for us to organize those. So a couple questions we had. We had somebody complaining about esports. Uh, no, no, no. Um, here we go. All right. Glass half full question. Which teams will be the power five beat a power five team this
1: week? I mean, if I'm being optimistic, I mean, I I'm not gonna say it's impossible for Nevada to beat Northwestern, but. I think they're going to have to basically hit on all cylinders on offense immediately, and they're going to have to basically outscore the Wildcats in order to survive. Beyond that, like I said, I like Boise's chances. All right, no, you're talking Power 5 teams. Never mind. Colorado uh, State. Rams. I like Colorado State. I've already said that. I've already said I believe Wyoming is going to beat Iowa. I just I don't really see a path to victory for Utah State, though, against Wisconsin.
0: I agree. I'm going for sure Rams, but I wouldn't be surprised if Wyoming gets the victory. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side, which team is most likely to lose to an FCS
1: program? Ooh. Um,
0: do we have to answer that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we do. And you know, I hesitate.
0: I got my answer. I got it. I got it. You ready? Okay. Triple option. Russian defense is poor. Cal Poly, San Jose state. Sorry. And I mean, I hate to say it,
1: but I think that is the likeliest answer. Especially especially if they can't find Especially if they can't find any consistency on offense. I think that could make an upset really likely.
0: It's probably not gonna happen, but that's the most likely one I would say. Yeah. And then I think we had one other question, let me go through our list here. FCS opponents, we already did that. Um, no, I think that's all we got for today. Oh our guy Tim Suzo or shoot crap, what's his name? Suzoa. Ask how many beers should I be drinking this weekend <laughs>
1: um, Well I mean Fingers crossed I'll be in the press box Here in Fresno So probably none um, I would also say stay hydrated Depending on where you are
0: <laughs> Rotate Beer water, be water
1: Yeah So I've you know a couple pre-game Go in there with a nice healthy buzz And enjoy yourself You know,
0: He's a Fresno fan correct Yes he is but he's in Los Angeles, so he's probably not going to be able to watch that game unless there's a Periscope hero, which I don't know if that would be the case for this game, but. Well, let's just, just do go overboard. That's all I got to say. Be respectable, right? Respectful. Yes. All right, anything else? Okay, we need to do one thing because we have a full slate of games. We each need a stupid upset pick that might happen.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: Is, is yours Northwestern over Nevada? Uh,
1: well, mine was. Uh... I mean, I, my my regular prediction was Northwestern over Nevada.
0: Oh, sorry. I meant Nevada over Northwestern. Sorry.
1: I mean, I guess if you're if I have to choose one, yeah, I guess that would be it.
0: So I'm going to pick one. I don't want to pick the same one as you because that's boring. I'm going to go Cal Poly San Jose State.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Sorry, folks. And it's called Stupid Upset for a reason.
1: Apologies to all 12 Spartans fans out there.
0: I, I'm, I'm sorry, Anna. I hope the game's fun for you this weekend and that you stay not nice and cool inside. And um, yes, go Spartans indeed, but it's stupid upset pick. It's not going to happen. Because they never happen, right? Almost never. Should we keep track of our stupid upset picks just in case?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll make a note of it on my spreadsheet right now.
0: Perfect. Look for that, folks. And that's our show for tonight. Week one preview We're going to brisk 80 minutes if you listen to the entire show. We are breaking these up again. So if you heard our FCS portion, thank you. If you listen to Boise, Troy, CSU, Colorado, whatever it may be, we're going to break these up to hopefully make it more enjoyable for you. But any party thoughts about the uh, official full slate of games at this weekend?
1: I'm excited. Same. Ditto. That's all I've got.
0: All right. That's our show for tonight. We're on uh, Blog Talk Radio, uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Give us a review. Thank you for everybody who supports us on Patreon for the few bucks we ha- you give us every month. If it's a buck a month, if it's ten bucks, we don't care. Tell us what to write about. That's what we want to do from this uh, venture we're doing. Also, the fantasy football league's underway. So we'll keep tabs on that throughout the year. I'm in a, in a league. And you know how the Fresno kicker was kind of a surprise to be the starter? Mm-hmm. My very last pick, I'm like, crap, I need a kicker. I randomly picked that guy. Oh, good for you. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't, I don't even don't even remember his name, but I remember that I'm like, oh, do I have that guy? I do, because it's a kicker, and hopefully he leads me to victory. But that's our show. Um, again, check us out mwcwire.com. Subscribe to our podcast, and uh, keep tabs on us on Twitter on game day. Cause we'll have lots of cool stuff going out there. And even though it's week one, and we do cover the Mountain West, we're always biased against your team.